morning I talked about some passages that encourage us to trust God. I believe from the things that I see in the paper and the people that I talk to, that one of the biggest problems that we face in our present society, and one of the biggest problems that we have in the church is the problem of anxious care. I think we need to realize that it is a problem. I think we also need to realize that the Bible has the solution to the problem and that for our own good and the peace of mind and heart that can be ours, we need to find the solution and apply it to our hearts. I could think of no better time and place or occasion to begin a study along this line than this the last day of this year. I read a number of passages this morning that talked about the importance of trusting God which involves acknowledging God in all of our ways, committing our way to the Lord and trusting Him and leaving things in His hand. But it takes time and thought and meditation and one filling his heart with the Bible to be able to do that. When we let <clears throat> day after day go by without reading the Bible and filling our mind and heart, which becomes the basis of our trust in God, we cannot follow the admonition and will not be able to enjoy the blessings that I talked about this morning. The doctor's offices are filled with people that are afraid. Fear is an emotion that grips the hearts of multitudes of people, and it is a destructive emotion. It can have effect upon us physically, mentally, and emotionally. <clears throat> and I think that uh, if we can learn some things from the Bible that can help us in solving this problem and trusting God and enjoying the blessings that he offered, <clears throat> it'll be worthwhile to all of us. I want to first of all read again uh, two or three passages from the Psalms. And then, before our lesson's over, I'll read some from the New Testament. In Psalms 27, listen to the passage. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And we all <clears throat> that are Christians, that have obeyed the gospel, can say that the Lord is our light and our salvation. But listen to what the rest of the verse says. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifice of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How many times the burdens of life become so heavy 
that it seems that we are unable to bear them. And here is one that recognized how heavy the burdens of life are, and he said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. He did not believe that that was the end. And thus, verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Then I want to read from Psalms 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. This is one of the reasons that we need to manifest the faith and the trust in God that I talked about this morning. One of the reasons, I think, that we have difficulty in trying to get people to believe and obey the gospel is that they do not see in our lives the peace of mind and heart that God's people ought to have. They do not see in our minds the peace of heart that they recognize the Bible talks about. I'm afraid that we have lost some of our young people to Pentecostalism simply because they saw in our lives the same concern and the same anxious care and the same confusion and disturbed life as people that didn't pretend to be Christians. And that's not what they want. That's not what they're looking for. And therefore, the psalmist said, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Listen to this verse. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. You ought to mark that verse. Every one of us ought to mark that verse. We ought to memorize it. The psalmist said, I sought the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fears. When the heart is troubled and you're afraid, do you think about on bended knees seeking the Lord and the promise that's made in that verse. That out of that and from that will come the peace of mind and the fear that disturbs the heart will be gone. Verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I'd like to encourage you, when you have time, <clears throat> to read the rest of that psalm in its entirety and to see <clears throat> the blessings that are set forth in it. But listen again as I read from Psalm 56. Verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Now think about that. Whenever we become afraid, what do we do? When the things that disturb us rise up, where do we turn? The psalmist said, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. He knew where the answer to the problem of his fear was. And that if he could build his faith in God, that fear would be gone. That he wouldn't have to be afraid. Does he say it in verse 4? In God I will praise his word. 
Thus, the relationship between faith and trust and the Word of God. I will praise His Word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Think about being able to live in the faith that as you look round about with all the enemies that there are in this world in which we live, and be able to say, I'm not bothered about what they can do to me. I'm not afraid of them. Listen again to this verse. Verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? Think of the tears that are shed, and so precious in the eyes of God that the psalmist sees them as they're put in a bottle and written down in a book. We need to learn <clears throat> that in a world that's impersonal, that God has a special care for his people. That he has a cow that every tear that's shed, he sees and knows. His concern is such as though he gathered him up and put him in a bottle and wrote it down in a book. Thus verse 11 says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. And then... <clears throat> Turning to uh, Isaiah chapter 26, and then I'll come back to the book of Psalms. <clears throat> but I want to read uh, four verses from Isaiah 26. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may read. Now listen to this verse. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. The song that we have, that we sing, Peace, perfect peace is taken this verse. And in the original, the word that's translated perfect is the same word that's translated peace. And so what the verse really says, Thou will keep him in peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Have you ever thought about the price that we pay in allowing the things of this world to cause us to take our mind off of God and forget about God. The anxious care, the restless night, disturbed sleep, the anxious hours is the price that we pay for allowing this world to cause us to take our mind off of God and forget about God. Isn't it sad that we read about peace today and we hear so much about peace, we hear people talking about peace, people looking everywhere for peace? The only place that it can be found is 
in the passages, the places that I'm reading from. But I want to read again, turning back to Psalms uh, uh, chapter 112. I want to read two verses, I believe, from, or at least one verse from this uh, chapter. Verse uh, 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Now just think about the anxiety that comes as a result of our being afraid of the news or the report that we're going to receive. You ever get anxious and waiting for a letter, telephone call, wondering what the next word's going to be, waiting for the news in the paper or on the radio or on the TV, Listen to what the verse said. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Now look at that. His heart is fixed to the one whose heart is fixed on God and trust in God he shall not be afraid of evil times, knowing that because God is his God, that all will be well. Can you think of any greater heritage in life to have than to be able to say all is well? That's what the passage says. That's what God intends for us to enjoy in life. That's a part of that peace, <clears throat> peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The mind, the man or the person, the Christian who has his mind fixed on God is promised peace, perfect peace. Now that's on the inside. That's not talking about what's on the outside. <clears throat> That has to do with the things on the inside. And it's on the insides where we have our trouble. Not only outside. In the midst of the best of circumstances because of inward <coughs> concern and anxiety, we have our problems. We can go to bed tonight having a good house in which to sleep having enjoyed <clears throat> perhaps more of the physical necessities of life than we really need today, having no particular unusual problem tomorrow <clears throat> as far as our material needs are concerned, and yet go to bed tonight and roll and tumble all night long in spite of that. Why? Because our problem is not on the outside, it's on the inside. That's the reason the passage talks about a man's mind being fixed on God. There's where peace is found. And that's the reason that the Bible talks about a man's heart being fixed. But I want to turn to the New Testament now and read some words from Jesus. These are in keeping with 
the very things that I've been talking about. I want to begin in verse 19 of Matthew 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. <clears throat> Listen now to this verse. No man can serve two masters, for he'll either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in man. You remember this morning when I read, Acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he'll direct thy steps. That's just exactly what Jesus is saying right here. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Don't have a divided heart. Commit thyself wholeheartedly and without reservation. And that's what the passage says. Now, when you do that, acknowledge him in all your ways. Then listen. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not life more than meat, body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, and neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Now mark it. Jesus said that we ought not to live with the same anxious care. And that's what the idea uh, is involved in when he says take no thought. It has to do with anxious thought. And therefore, he's saying that we're not to be like the Gentiles, that is, the heathen, people that are not Christians. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And that again is saying what we've been reading in the Old Testament. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Trust him, and he'll direct your steps. But now I want you to listen to this verse. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. I don't like to paraphrase Scripture because paraphrases are put out. But I'd like to change that a little bit so I think I can give it the emphasis that's intended in that passage. Take no thought. That is, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Far for the man that seeks first the kingdom of God, God will see to it that tomorrow is taken care of. 
Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. That's what the passage is saying. The passage is saying, let me live today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. God has said tomorrow will be taken care of. I think one of the most <clears throat> difficult lessons of life to ever learn is to live today. Yesterday's gone, and if I live with the mistakes of yesterday, I carry a load that's too heavy because we make too many mistakes. And as the mistakes begin to pile up, the yesterday's rolled the load upon my shoulders and I'm unable to carry them. And I cannot live with the loads of yesterday. And that's what the gospel is intended for. That's what the Bible teaches us. The mistakes need to be corrected. As far as we're able to correct them, and where we may not be able to undo them, let the mercy of God and the grace of God and the blood of His Son blot them out and be gone. So I don't have to live with the burden and the load of yesterday. That's too much. Are you in the audience tonight and thinking about mistakes you've made in the past? And they're a load and a burden on your heart. Just continue to carry loads like that in one day. They'll break you. That's more than you can handle. But then what about tomorrow? Think about all the uncertainties. What will tomorrow be like? Let the imagination run, and there are a thousand things that can happen tomorrow. Go to bed tonight. Think about all the things that could take place tomorrow. And as they begin to roll around in the mind, you'll spend a sleepless night. But to the Christian, the one that's in this kingdom and seeking God's kingdom first, because of the provisions that's made in the kingdom for the forgiveness of sins and the correction of wrongs and mistakes has been made, <clears throat> one can come to the end of the day and on bended knee through God's mercy and grace lay aside the past and let it be gone. Remembering that Hebrews 8 says, Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And you can go to sleep without, without having to worry about the past. But what about the Christian, the one that's seeking first the kingdom of God in tomorrow? He can go to bed tonight and in peaceful sleep. saying tomorrow will take care of itself. I don't have to worry about that. I do not need to lay awake tonight anxious about all the things that may be tomorrow. God has promised me that tomorrow will take care of itself. And having that promise, that's enough for me. And so, I'll go to sleep. Two other passages, and then we'll close our... <clears throat> 
study for the evening. In Philippians chapter 4 and the fourth chapter, uh, uh, sixth verse of chapter 4, and remember this was written from a prison. Be careful for nothing. And the word careful here is used in the sense of anxious. I think the American Standard Version would say anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Isn't that a wonderful life? To be able to live and to be anxious about nothing. I'm talking about anxious care. That's not has to do with proper care and concern. But the anxiety that weighs down on the soul. Wouldn't you like to live a life like that? Is there anything to equal it? Be careful for nothing. But in everything. There is nothing that's too big or small to include in our prayers. Here's the way anxious care is taken care of. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. There's the admonition. What's the reward? Listen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And the Greek phrase that's translated, shall keep your hearts, is a word that means to place a gas and a soldier around to see that nothing interleaves. Think about going home tonight. Having a garrison of soldiers around your house, not to let a rob or a burger or anything in, to let no one in except by your own admission and acknowledgement. That's what comes a result of verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, prayerful about everything and thankful for anything, and let your request be made known to God. And the result will be that God will place a gas and a soldiers around our heart to see that that peace of mind is not disturbed. That's a promise from my God. And that's what Paul said. It's not any wonder that Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 27, don't be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Peace not of the world give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither be afraid. That's what the world cannot give. The world doesn't have it. The world doesn't know it. In the, <clears throat> Matthew 27 and verse 43, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, The angry mob that was standing down and mocking him as he was hanging on the cross. <clears throat> Among other things, they said, he trusted in God. 
Let him save him now. That phrase is descriptive of the life of Christ. He trusted in God. What was the outcome? The most serene person that there was in Jerusalem on that fateful day was the sinless Son of God as he hung on Calvary's brow. Read the seven statements that he made while hanging on the cross. Till finally, he made the final statements that he was committing his spirit unto his God. I believe that if there's anything that this world needs tonight in the midst of the confusion and the anxiety in which we live that's robbing us of strength and of health and of the pleasures of life that are real pleasures, it's what I've been talking about today. And if we can gather this up into our own hearts and demonstrate it in our own lives, <clears throat> we'll make the world want to be Christians. I don't think that I ever heard Brother Nichols preach that it didn't make me glad that I was a Christian. Just to see him and to talk to him and to hear him preach thrilled my soul. It made me say over and over again as I heard him talk about the Bible and thrilled to its truths. To see what it did to him. To say, I'm glad that I'm a Christian. I hope as we enter into the new year, that we can enter in, in the spirit in which I've talked about. And use the days that may be ours to study and to meditate upon the Bible. That as the days come and go, our faith in God will grow and increase. And that we'll trust him every day and in every way. And the peace of heart and mind that will be ours will be a reward that will be worth it all. Don't you want to be a Christian? Like the one that I've <clears throat> talked about, the Apostle Paul in jail in Rome, wouldn't you like to be able... <clears throat> In the midst of all the difficulties of life to have the peace of mind. And as Paul said, I've learned to be content. And said, I can do all things through Jesus Christ, which strengthens me. And finally, in verse 19, he said, My God shall supply all your needs through Jesus Christ. That's the promise that we have in the Bible. Let us tonight... Enter into the new year with that faith and that trust and that fidelity. And if the Lord lets us live through 1979, the world standing, it'll be the best year we've ever had. If you're not a Christian tonight, doesn't this make you want to be one? Will you not tonight in simple faith and penitence of sin and the confession of 
your faith that Christ is God's Son be baptized into him, that your sins can be forgiven and that the past can be gone forevermore. You won't have to struggle with it. You can have a conscience that's clean. Go home tonight with peace of mind and heart and then begin tomorrow walking every day in faith with God, trusting him every step and every way, acknowledging him in all your ways and letting him direct your path. If you're in the audience tonight and this has not been the kind of faith and trust that you've manifested in God, allow the word to rob you with peace your mind and heart. If sins have been such that they need to be publicly acknowledged, bringing shame and reproach upon the church, renounce that tonight. But even if our sins have been of neglect and carelessness and have not brought shame and reproach upon the church, if we need to begin our lives anew, let us leave here tonight. Ere the shades of night close round about us and we lay our heads down in peaceful sleep, let us go apart and on bended knee. Promise God that we'll give him all of our life and our heart and that in the year that is to, we're facing, we'll acknowledge him at every step and every way, and that he may direct our paths, and that we'll trust him all the way. The invitation's yours. While together we stand and sing.